0: And welcome everyone to episode 11 of Heal the Healers podcast. This is the first podcast of the new year, 2020 is over and 2021 is here. Yay, <laughs> we survived. <laughs> um It's really funny because I keep telling people that 2020 I think was probably the best year of my life, and everybody just keeps looking at me like I'm insensitive and stupid, and I, I don't mean to be, but literally there there has been so much growth for myself uh, on a spiritual level, personal level, self-esteem, self-confidence level. Um, and I don't think any of it would would have come about had February 2020 hit and I, I hadn't lost my entire business because I was face-to-face with everything. Uh, I, you know, I couldn't do Reiki. I couldn't do life coaching uh, face-to-face anymore because of the quarantine. So it was like, uh-oh, what am I going to do? So I have taught myself a bunch of new skills. I started podcasting. I started Zoom um and it's just been a great year so for me 2020 was a a great year of self-reflection self self development self-esteem and then also just building connections with people on a different level um, and seeing that and because of that because i started the podcast i am so excited today because i have a guest author and her name is kristen panic and kristen has written the book called authentic leadership the guide to being a spiritual leader in your community And this book is really insightful. And because I have a corporate background, uh, Kristen also has a corporate background. I felt like at times she was talking to me. And there's a lot of times in the corporate world where you don't bring the woo-woo into it or you don't bring the spirit into it. You don't bring the kindness into your corporate care. And Kristen, I want to welcome you to the podcast and, and tell you that your book is amazing.
1: Oh, thank you, Dave. Thank you so much for having me here because I really... I'm passionate about this topic of bringing authenticity into leadership, especially given the year that we've come through. And I, I think people are hungry for that right now. So,
0: yeah, they really are. I mean, the talking about being a leader um, in, in the away, especially you, know, you and I have that corporate background. Being a leader in corporate sometimes means that you have to sacrifice your employee you know you you literally have to just you're going by the the numbers only everything's analytical no compassion um no you know when when an employee comes in and they're having a bad day it's like who cares just leave it at the door and get to work and that's such a horrible way to lead um in your career how did you how did you manage that like how did you Deflect that from your employees?
1: Well, when I received that from my boss, I took all the flack and really protected the people that were working for me because it was clear to me you get the best out of the people when they're happy to be there. You know, they want to work, they want to produce, they want to do a good job. And so my job was to provide that layer of protection. So um, my dad was a CEO of a major company, and one of the things he taught me was to push credit down in your organization and blame up. So I would take the blame for whatever happened and push credit down in the organization. So that's another way that that I really worked to create an environment. And also truth. like. When I'm told to tell my employees something that is not true, I would tell them the truth every time. I, I could not, I couldn't do it any other way. You know, if, uh, if a section under me was going to be possibly eliminated, I told that boss because I'm like, help me, <laughs> help me make your case. You know, so he was all in to make his case because he knew that department was on. But I was told, don't tell anybody. I'm like, you know, on some level they know. And see, this is the thing that um, I'm noticing, especially with a lot of Zoom, people are even getting more sensitive. So they know when what you're telling them is not the truth. They may not be entirely conscious. It may just be some unease in their system but they're becoming more and more sensitive to what's true, so.
0: Yeah, it, 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 it's amazing um, to some of the things that I've been asked to do in my career by my bosses, I was just like shocked, you, you know, with like the level of inhumanity. And that's part of, yeah, part of my calling has always been like, whenever I would interview, I'm a really good interviewer. So when I would interview, I, I just, I assembled incredible teams and these teams functioned because there were just respect, you know, and we, we laid it all on the line and we went through the good, the bad, and I showed the numbers and was like, look, you know, we we're doing great, great, great at this, but we're horrible at these two things. We really need to, you know, either put a plug in it to stop it from being so bad or make the other numbers that are good, make them great to hide the bad numbers, <laughs> you know, if we could just get, you know, all these different things. So, but, and it was like a, a think tank, it wasn't just me standing on on the bow of the ship giving orders. It was, hey, I'm tapping into all of this potential, all of this knowledge about this store or about this company. What can we do to improve? Um, and you know, it, it was amazing. I, I I was I was blessed to work for Barnes and Noble for a lot of years, and and there were times where I had some really good um, people working up, up above and below me, um, and and it was amazing where I was given a lot of freedom because I had a, a good reputation. And one thing we did is the community, we had a community that flooded uh, in our area and the schools flooded, they lost all their books. So we did like, a, we wanted to do a community book drive. And normally when we do a book drive, it's like, you know, we just have one or two little tables and that's it. I like changed the entire store over. <laughs> Everyone kept, every table was decorated in the school's colors, um, you know, and, and I, each teacher was highlighted with their own wish list of books and we ordered them all in and my boss walked in he's like what are you doing we're not allowed to do it like this i'm like <laughs> come on, (laughs) you know, and we ended up raising so much money and books um, and people were like donating money to the store, which was like, somebody wrote me a check in my name and gave it to me. And my boss was there when I opened the envelope and it was like $3,000. And he's like, what is that? I said, it's a donation for the school. Why is it in your name? I'm like, I don't know, (laughs) you know, but he's, but we, we thought outside the box. We worked together and we did great things for the community but it was because we, we led, and, and even he took in my case above, you know, cause of things going on, he's like, look, let's just, let's do this because it's right. And my team was so excited and happy and the teachers that we helped and, and all, all of the community, we had the mayor involved, everything. And it was such an amazing feeling for what we did for our community, the staff for, a year or two years after that, we just talked about it. You know, we had pictures up in the break room and, and everybody was so proud because they came to work, they contributed and they felt like they made a difference. And it's what you said earlier, people want to work. They want to come in, but they want to feel good. They want to feel like they're empowered and that they're making a difference. And I think a true authentic leader does that. What if Absolutely. you have
1: Absolutely, you tapped into something bigger than all of you, right? You tapped yeah. into a mission. And, and that really is one of the first steps in my book is tapping into what your purpose is. You know, everybody has a purpose. Everybody knows it actually. Um, they just need the space for it to arise. Uh, they just need to get in touch with that. And that's your guiding, that's your guiding light. Yeah, that's your, uh, principle. And it's, it's about contribution because our best selves come forward when it's about contribution to a, to society at large. Right. So that's really beautiful.
0: Thank you. Um, if someone is listening today to us and they're, you know, they have their first leadership job or they're trying to get promoted to become the manager for the first time in in what they're doing, what, what advice would you have for them in order to avoid some pitfalls? Uh,
1: well, actually interestingly enough what i like to work with people first on is getting fully embodied in themselves you know i lived i was very intellectual so i lived from my head my neck up didn't even realize i had a body
0: so i didn't really
1: bring it to work for a while but Uh, we wanna be able to tap into um, our natural gifts. We wanna be able to tap into our wisdom, not just the knowledge that we need to gather for the particular job. To do that, you have to be embodied. And what I mean by that is um, taking some slow, deep breaths to bring yourself more present, right? Really feel your feet on the ground, be in the present moment. These are not just meditation skills. These are everyday living skills. If I can fully breathe and be in my body, I have access to an extraordinary amount of information. I can feel what, when somebody's off, when somebody needs support, when somebody, you know, when I'm off and I need support, um, it's where the wisdom lies to do whatever job you're doing. The knowledge, The knowledge we feed the mind with, but in the moment, it's your intuitive guidance and all good CEOs have this. They are tapped into their intuition, the successful ones. So you feed the knowledge in, but what comes out is your action to do or the right right words, the right action at the right time that comes from tapping into your intuition. So I work with really getting them embodied and in touch with what they're naturally good at and bring those gifts forward into their work. And then I also, as I said earlier, help them tap into what their mission is because whatever you're doing, if it's new, it's hard. There are days you don't wanna get out of bed, right? (laughs) So if you have your mission uh clearly in mind then that really helps you on the days where it just feels like nothing is working mm-hmm. you have that you have okay i'm here for a bigger purpose you know it's not just that i'm helping this company sell more product i'm helping people connect with each other at a deeper level or whatever your your mission is so
0: yeah one so. One, one thing that was fun that we used to do um is we would talk about things that we did with our paycheck. Um, and, and like and one of, one of my employees started this. We were sitting around the break room one morning and she's like, "So I got paid and I bought this." And then one somebody chimed in, "Well, I bought this." And then it turned into like a gratitude session that people we did like once a week where they would say, "Hey, you know, so I got paid and I, because I got my paycheck today, I went and did this or I'm taking this trip." And they were grateful for it. And it was amazing. As a leader, to sit there and listen to these conversations, uh, they get started, and it's it's like the embodiment of hearing this this uh, woo woo gratitude spirituality stuff being brought into the workplace. Because sometimes people aren't comfortable doing it or feeling it or saying it, and um, it, it was just amazing that that gratitude worked in. One thing that you hit on in your book that I liked a lot was clearing space, making sure that. You know if something doesn't feel good to you that you, you know you're looking at it if you're in a home office um, what you write in your book is you know check it see what makes you feel good what drains your energy and kind of like clear your space and i used to i used to do that a lot both in my personal office but also in the break room um, because i wanted the break room to be comfortable for people i wanted them to be able to come in and escape for, during their, their lunch or their breaks and come in and, and have something that was fun and it wasn't just a sterile white room, you know. So I painted. I, I I did all these amazing things in order to make it fun. And when you touched that in your book, I thought that was amazing. Can you tell me what led you to that, or what what the importance of it is?
1: Yes, I well, we have a a meditation center called Flowering Heart Center, and I started that in uh, two thousand eight. And I had just come back from India. And had received all these spiritual teachings. And one of the things that we always did in India were um, processes to really connect deeply with the divine. Uh, you can call it your higher self, you can call it source or the universe, whatever you're comfortable with, but there is a higher, there is a, a high vibrational energy, right? And what I learned is when they, when they, they, for the temples, every temple, every church, you know, they do um, prayers and light incense. And these things create a field where you can actually walk in and feel right away before anybody says anything. You can just feel your whole body relax. You might feel expanded. So I cultivated that in our center and literally people would walk in the door and down a couple of steps and some people would actually sit down and go wow what happens here like they felt (laughs) such strong energy because i created a a temple-like space like a sacred space in there with pictures of sacred art and had flowers and incense and prayed in there and invoked the divine and the high energy field. So most of the work's done. It's not done by me, <laughs> you know, it's done by spirit. It's just people feel it. There's an actual field that gets created. And so I do that in my home office too. I do that in our home because I also want to walk into my home and feel that same way. I want to walk in and just exhale and go, oh, it feels so good to be here. Yeah. So imagine walking into your office or your death wherever it is and feeling that like that's a great place to start with. <laughs> and you can do that, you know, so in my home office I have an altar and same thing, fresh flowers and uh, I have mantras going constantly. To raise the vibration but you can in a public office space do put some sacred geometry art in there there's plenty of things you can do actually in a more public office space to raise the vibration i
0: I, I love that you you talked a moment ago that you have an altar um you read about that in your book and um some people they're they're uncomfortable with that and and i'm one of those that it's like I've been doing it for years. I didn't realize I did it. <laughs> you know, I just had like shelves in my home that I literally, I didn't really call it an author. I just it was like my sacred shelf. It's, it's where I had things that brought me spark of joy. Every time I looked at it, you know, statues of angels, crystals, Um, you, you know, a movie ticket that I went to, and I love the movie, or had such a great experience with friends. Um, I whenever I would be, be doing Reiki on someone or healing someone, I would maybe write a handwritten prayer on a post-it note. And I would stick that on it. Um, you know, whenever I saged my house, I, I would sage, sage that shelf. I never really thought of it as being an altar until about a year ago. I was like, oh, I, I built an altar and didn't even realize <laughs> You know, without knowing the, the extent of it. But you touched that in your book. Why is that power center? Why, why is an altar important? And why is it something that doesn't just belong in a church?
1: Because reverence is not just for the church, a reverence for life, a reverence for oneself, creates a space where everything becomes um, magical, where possibilities abound, where creativity thrives, where um, it's a way an orientation to life, where you feel more fulfilled because you're open to receiving, how do I say, you're open to receiving information. You're open to, as soon as the mind says, I know, I know that, yeah, I've done that. All those kinds of words shut off learning, right? That's what we're used to doing. The mind quickly does that. It it labels everything. That's a tree, that's a flower, that's a light bulb you know, and and doesn't look further. It's like, yeah, I know all that. That is a very dead, deadened kind of experience. Whereas when you have an altar and you have reverence and you're calling in uh, your higher self, you're more in the mystery. And then you can start to look at the world around you. And it's like, oh, well, what kind of tree is that? Well, wow, look at that, you know, it's, when you start looking at objects that way and people that way you start to really see more of who they are it starts with that reverence and i feel like the altar is that reminder like start your day with tapping into the divine in whatever form you relate to start your day that way and then all your actions i ask that all my actions be guided um so that for the highest good. And so, five minutes even in the morning, and the rest of your day becomes more magical. There's synchronicities that happen, there's coincidences that happen that you couldn't possibly have orchestrated, but it's because you called on the support. You've called in, called that in, and you're open to it. And there's a reverence and a gratitude. You mentioned gratitude, that's a key piece gratitude is so important so that's, that's awesome you know every mother has an altar what mother has not put their kids drawings on their refrigerator
0: <laughs> i never <laughs> thought of it like that an altar yeah
1: what i'm asking people to do in here is to just be really conscious. You have all these things that are meaningful for you. Just create a space, a PowerPoint in your house Mm -hmm. where you're conscious about cultivating that sense of reverence and sacredness. And,
0: And you talk about like putting fresh flowers on it or using a candle and replenish those as they go through and just keep it, keeping it alive. And I think the one thing you said that I liked is like when you go on a vacation, tell the author that you're going on vacation to kind of like close it down for you know a week or two that you're gone I thought that was good I was like oh that's interesting I I never thought about that before um so definitely um since I read your book I've I've been doing those kind of things and just just making it more of a conversation you know I have conversations with my angels and and with my guides all the time and um so it, it it really does bring that balance in like you said, and, and that mystery. And it helps me stop thinking with such an ego-driven mind, like you said earlier, from the, the neck up. You know, there are so many times where I'm just thinking neck up. And, and even me with a lot of the things that I've learned and a, a lot of the things that I teach, it still comes down to there are times where people look at me and like, dude, get your ego out of the way and think with your heart. And I'm like, Oh, shut up. Okay. <laughs> that's know. awesome.
1: You have people reminding you of that. <laughs> I do. I do, too, by the way. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, it, I, I, that, that's something that is important is surrounding yourself by by people who build you up, who can call you out. You know, I have, I have several mentors locally. I have several around the country. Uh, and I have peers. Uh, the same, and and we do that for each other, you know, and, you know, I've got groups that I meet with on a regular basis once every two weeks or so, where we talk about our, our trials and tribulations and our successes and our failures. And, and we just help help to, again, that think tank, that building each other up. Um, and when you create that kind of community within yourself, it helps you to become a better leader, a better person, and also a better follower.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Being, you can't be a leader if you're not also a follower or a student. They yeah. go hand in hand.
0: Why is it that so many leaders feel that they have to lead with strength? And if anybody sees weakness, then they're not effective. What, what, have you accepted you know, that at all?
1: We're all programmed with the authoritarian model that has been around for so long. You know, I, it's it's in our schools, the teacher stands up there and dispenses knowledge, you know, um, and there's great teachers who do it differently, but it's just ingrained, so ingrained in us, this model, even our idea of, of God is somebody who's up in the sky, dispensing judgment. And this comes from an old, in India, what I learned, is we've been 5,000 years in a in a span of time where we're furthest from the center, where we're, this period of time is called the Kali Yuga, where we are most separated from our divine self. So matter is dense, it has no life. Um, God is separate from me. This is the energy of this whole 5,000 year period of the Kali Yuga. So all our religions have grown up during that time. And that's why you have an authoritarian God. And that's why you have an authoritarian parent and an authoritarian teacher. And we're moving out of that Kali Yuga and we're moving into the golden age or the Aquarian age where the whole energy is shifting. I mean, you can feel it. There's more of the divine feminine being anchored in on this planet and it demands a whole different way of leading. It's more collaborative. It's more um, in harmony with each other. It's it's an it's more about experience experience than dispensing knowledge. You know, even the the yogis who gave us great teachings. You know, like Yogi Bhajan, for example, in the Kundalini Yoga, would he'd work for with a master for years before getting one mantra that he could bring back. So even in those traditions, it was all very secretive. That is all changing. You know, all this information is available to us now. Problem is it's all hidden in plain sight, unless you have that internal connection with your divine that can help you navigate through to find out what's important to know and to learn and what practices are important for me. So we're turning into a more uh, cooperation with the divine. We're moving into an age where the divine and human are, are together as one, where we're more in harmony and cooperation with each other and the earth. So that old leadership model is not gonna work going forward. Yeah. I mean,
0: knowing that you have the divine within you is such an important revelation that people don't understand, you know, and, and for me, it was, um, there was a lot of self-doubt and there was a lot of self-esteem issues in my twenties and even my early thirties that, that made it difficult to believe that I was worthy of anything and just so full of shame for for bad decisions I made when I was a teenager and in my twenties, and you know all, all these different things. And when I realized that that's not who I am, that because yes, I did those things, but you know the people that I needed to ask forgiveness from, I was able to, and the people that I needed to forgive, I, I was able to forgive. Um, because forgiveness is—it's—it's it's such an important thing. And one thing you talk about in your book is having compassion for yourself and compassion for others. But that compassion for yourself that leads to realizing that within you is the divine and that you're co-creating life together and that the experiences that you share uh are you and the divine together and each new experience is different for each person that we're all unique and that we're all special and that hierarchies and, and, and authoritarianism is just it's such a it, it's been created to keep people to keep healers down like there are a lot of healers who they're judged when they're in their early teens because they're empaths because they're all, all these different things and they're just judged and, and if they decide to pick up a tarot card then all of a sudden you know wicca witchcraft all, all these evil connotations of the pentagram and all all these things and it's like no that's that's not what any of this is about anybody who's trying to use religion or trying to use the bible as a weapon is a fool and if you're listening to that then then it's it's harsh because the bible is love you know the message of god is love the message of spirit the angels everything is nothing but love and anybody who uses it other than that um, they're trying to keep you down and i'm hoping that if people are listening today that when they when they read your book and they look at your book that they have some compassion for themselves because it's so hard to find that when you work with people how do you get them to spark that little bit of compassion that that creates some change?
1: It's, it's a constant work in progress in a sense, you know, the spiritual path um, is about seeing our inhumanness. (laughs) Well, our humanness, I have to say, you know, our humanness includes all aspects of ourselves, whether it's, Uh, the vengeful self or the loving self and you know so we all fall into the trap of fear which brings us into out of love right so it's easy to to veer away from love and be caught up in all of those things that you were just describing. So first to recognize we all get caught up in that it is the human experience. We're here on a duality planet. So we're here, we're meant to experience, you know, all sides of things because that's where hum- compassion for others comes from, right? If, if you are sick, if, if you have a headache and I've never had a headache, <laughs> I might feel sorry for you, but it's a whole different ball game. If you have migraines and I have them too, I'm like, oh man, yeah, I understand what you're going through, right? Um, If we're not, if we don't have some of these, if we haven't experienced these failings, then we can't have that compassion for others. And you can't have compassion for others you can't have compassion for yourself if you don't have compassion for others. They go hand in hand, compassion for yourself and others. So if there's no sensitivity, there's no um, no area where you can see that that person's just like me. You know, and just like me, they're doing the best they can, and just like me, they're afraid sometimes, and so they react. You know, it's not about. You know, it's always, there's a need, there's something they're trying to get and they do it through fear. They do it through meanness, Um, but it's more ignorance. It's that they've forgotten, they've forgotten who they are. They've forgotten that they are that divine. And so this place of coming home to the divine is the place of compassion, really. Coming back home to that over and over and over again. (laughs)
0: Right. Yeah, no, I, I love that. One thing I find is that people have so much compassion for others, and they just do not have it for themselves. They're so hard on themselves. Yet they would give the shirt off their back for a stranger. They would help. They never say they never say no. You know, they don't have boundaries. Um, even right. when it comes to that, and for me, I'm just like whoa, 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 let's rein it in here. (laughs) And they're like, what? (laughs) You know, this is how I've lived my entire life. And I'm like, well, that's why your life is so freaking scattered right now and you're so miserable. And then then they they don't get it. I'm like, you have to be saying no and you have to put yourself first. And when you find an empath, especially an empath, a teenage empath or an empath in their 20s who don't understand their gifts, who don't understand that they need some quiet time to figure out what their emotions are versus they're picking up on everybody else's emotions. And and they don't understand that. And then so they just help, help, help. Because when they get a kind word from somebody that they made a difference, that's what fuels them to, to get going. And so I teach, look, you know, you have we got to take some time for you. You know, and when I tell an empath that you're not allowed to help anybody for seven days, I get some of the nastiest looks and comments. <laughs> and they're like, what do you mean? I said for seven days you can't take care of anybody except you. You are your number one priority you can't help anyone and uh and I've had people do that in the past and at the end of the seven days they it, it's a it's a change it's the transformation um and, and I really like that that I've, I've done that but getting people that's to under- a
1: real that's a real gift for them yeah. you know sometimes it's a perspective shift right mm-hmm. if everybody was giving who's receiving it's <laughs> <laughs> it's almost like you have to thank the person you're helping for giving you the chance to help them (laughs) if they didn't need anything you wouldn't be able to help them so you got to return the favor (laughs) (laughs) It,
0: it is and one of the funniest things too about an empath is when somebody buys them a gift or when somebody likes wants to pay for their meal they get like visibly upset it's like no don't buy me anything don't you know don't do this don't do this and and I'm like, will you just stop and take the freaking gifts? Because I'm trying to be nice to you. And you're shutting down my ability to be nice because you won't accept it. And they're like, oh, I never thought of it like that. <laughs>
1: well, here's what I like to remind people uh, you know what it's like as a parent when your kids are young on Christmas morning or their birthday, right? you're so excited to shower the gifts on them, but you're more excited to see their reaction, right? So if you think of a child receiving a gift from a parent, the joy in the parent is seeing the child joyfully receive that gift. So if you can remember that, then when when you receive a gift, if you can respond from your inner child with joy, that is a gift to the giver. Like, there's nothing more fulfilling than, you know, watching a little child open up presents and getting so excited. Mm-hmm. So that is the gift. You
0: know, that's a, that's a great thinking. analogy. And I'm, I'm actually going to start using that because that is such a great way to think about it. Um, and in, and the,
1: in the same way, the synchronicities, the, the miracles that show up in your life, that's the divine giving you a gift too, right? Mm-hmm. So in the same way, we need to... Offer gratitude, as you said, but from that joyful inner child place, it's like a parent giving a gift. You go like, thank you. Like, thank you for that parking space. Thank you for connecting me with you for this podcast. Thank you. You know, it's like we need to also respond that way to the divine or the universe for sending us what we need for our everyday lives.
0: Wow. That, that's awesome. so
1: That's another place to practice that receiving.
0: So you, uh, from reading your book, you know, you tell a little bit of your story and, and you go into things, but so, so you have a, a healing center where you work and you do workshops and you do all these, you do so many things to help people. How did you find the time to write a book?
1: <laughs> well, I wrote it because three friends within the space of a month told me they were writing books and I'm like, Darn it! (laughs) I give up. I'm doing it myself. (laughs) So it's like a wake-up call. Like you've been like. Am I? I told my husband. He's like, Yeah, you've always talked about that. I'm like, I have. (laughs) Anyways, um, it's just a decision, right? It's just a decision. And then um, I found a a great program. Author incubator that helps you step through it in a, a short period of time, and then it's a matter of of really just tapping in and letting the divine flow. And um, so it was for me a way of part of what happened um, last year. My mother last year my mother passed away. I'm sorry. Yeah, she was. She lived a full life, and it was time. And then, um, I ended up walking the El Camino. And just before I left for the El Camino, I published my first book. It was right after she passed and it felt like a completion for me. Like, here's what I need to say. And it was called my family needs my spiritual leadership. Now that was my first book. And then I felt like a completion inside. And then I walked the El Camino for 500 miles and Wow, I felt like there was so much learning that came from that that's where I learned the whole trust in the divine I've been learning that for years it's been my journey but when you're in the middle of rural Spain with chronic knee pain and I and no way to get any resources, literally in the middle of nobody around, right? <laughs> Just my walking sticks and my water bottle. And I turn the corner, it's coming down a really steep hill and that's worse on the knees than going uphill. There's this lady waiting there by this sign and she goes, the old way is longer or the the new way is longer you know, don't go that way. She said, go this way. <laughs> I'm like, okay. And she goes, let me just drive you right to the bottom of this hill. And first I said, no, like for all the reasons you were just describing. <laughs> and then I went, no, this is a gift from the divine, right? So I get this little drive down to the bottom of the hill. I don't know why she was there. Anyways, cause she didn't speak much English. I get out of the car and I'm just about to catch up with my friend who is always faster than me. I'm like, oh, there she is. And then off to the side, these two Koreans waved me over. And I'm like, since I'm still in gratitude to the divine, I'm like, okay, I'll follow them. <laughs> you know, I'll let my friend go, I'll follow them. I sit down with them, they're doing yoga and they notice my knees were hurting. She unzips her backpack and pulls out a whole set of cupping supplies and right there, by the parking lot gives me a full treatment on my knees which oh, allowed me to finish cow. out today
0: oh my gosh
1: this is the kind of so i said yes to the el camino even though i had this knee pain because it just flew out of my mouth when my friend asked me and i knew mm-hmm. i had to do it right um i even though i didn't feel like i was physically ready and the miracles that got me over those mountains and across those plains are just extraordinary. It really taught me, you can be anywhere. You can be in a desert. What you need will show up, like literally.
0: That's crazy. That That is crazy. I mean, the I'm a cupping therapist, so I know how beneficial oh. that is. So the fact that she traveled with her cups is like, I, I have a set I keep in my car for if I go to a friend's house, to see something or whatever. Um, but that's, that's so interesting uh, that she was there. That, that's really a neat story.
1: Yeah, and then this book, Authentic Leadership, was gonna be, because I was gonna roll out a whole curriculum in the, our Flowering Hearts Center, and then COVID hit. And I'm like, this is part of the curriculum along with my last book. And so now I'm taking people through the leadership work online. You know since i couldn't roll it out there i put it in the book so i'd have it and then i i help people go through an eight-week leadership intensive with that so
0: oh that's awesome i haven't read your previous book but one thing in your your new book is you talk about um chapter eight of your old book which is my family needs my spiritual leadership in chapter eight you talk about resentment um and in your new book you have um you have a, re- a resentment exercise Can you kind of hit on that a little bit? Because it kind of piqued my interest a little bit about finding the source of resentment and how to overcome it.
1: Yeah, well, I had a um, experience happen to me as in a process, again, I think I might've been in India or working with them, where suddenly I, so I used to keep a list of resentments against my ex, um, just as ammunition in case (laughs) He, he did something wrong or something. I could just throw it at him. Remember when <laughs> you left me? You abandoned me at that point in time. Anyway, I thought these so-
0: I love that. You got a little kill list. I love that.
1: <laughs> I'm not so fast. I'm, I don't... I'm not so quick sometimes when I get in an emotional environment. So I, it's like I need to have it top of mind. So my list, <laughs> I thought, was sitting in cold storage not hurting anybody and what I saw in this process was oh my god those are like live coals like hot coals burning me not the other person right (laughs) my ex could care less I've got a (laughs) list of resentments and cold storage here it's not live hot coals so as soon as I saw that I, I just let it go because once the mind sees there's no benefit to something, it will drop it. Um, so it dropped, and I saw myself picking up the phone and calling my ex and thanking him for all he did for the kids. And he probably thought I was, you know, very sick at the time or something. And, but I but I felt such gratitude at the end of it. So the resentment process is a way to get to the bottom of what the resentments that you find particularly difficult to let go of. Usually underneath there's a belief holding them together. Um, you know, Like the belief in that experience could be I'm powerless. Like this is my source of power. Mm-hmm. And once you, so it's a a process to help you get in touch with that and to see um, what holding that belief is doing to you, what holding those resentments is doing to you and to release them. And then there's a piece in there to transmute the energy. So you take a look at um, whatever it is that you're experiencing as a result of that anger, frustration. You transmute that into love. So it's it's a really powerful thing. And I I have people drawing. <laughs> There's a drawing exercise in it because it, it helps to see the whole landscape of all the places that this particular resentment is affecting you. So I had that list for my ex, but I could see where that was showing up then in my relationship with another friend, and you know, like with a. Relative, like it, you can't keep something isolated to one person because we're all interconnected. So it's like a virus. If you hold this resentment trying to shut off this one relationship, it'll seep out and start to affect your other relationships and start to destroy them too eventually. That's why these are not sitting in cold storage. They're not harmless they're actively working in your system yeah. and your system we're all interconnected but it's it's cutting you off for more and more people the more you hang on to it so it's a really powerful investment awesome.
0: yeah it, it it when i looked at the the one thing about your book is you put in a lot of exercises and you put in a lot of teachings and and, and it it's really beneficial um you know, you even talked about how to. You, you give step-by-step guides of how to do stuff, like how to hold, a, you know, things, and 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 I like that, especially when you're trying to figure out to do a workshop, what to do, you know, all, all these things. Um, as a leader, sometimes you just you don't know. Um, I, I know for me, uh, I I've been I have an office that I use for my life coaching, and then I have a studio that I use for my reiki healing uh, and my teaching and things like that. And, and I shared the office with, with a woman and her and I are going in um, th- this month, actually, we found a space recently and we're going to open up our own healing center. Uh, and we're like excited and nervous and scared all at the same time. But we have a couple of people that said, hey, if you do this, we, we would rent offices from you. So we found a spot. We've, we've got quite a few offices and we've got a couple of them, people who committed to rent them for the first six months before, before we open. And so it's like things are moving along at a very organic and great pace and 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 it's fun but it's scary and this is all stuff that you've already been through and you're you're living on a daily basis but if people are starting to realize as we're ascending and and as more healers are coming into the power more empaths are coming to the power if people want to become a spiritual leader in the community they want to do something like this um do do you feel it's a good time? Like even w- with all of the pandemic stuff, with all the COVID stuff, do you feel that this is a good time to do something like this?
1: Yeah, the house is on fire. People need help. <laughs> <laughs> so. I love that.
0: that. That's such a great way to, to put it. <laughs> love, okay, good. Thank you. So that that have is a
1: desire to help, now is the time. Now
0: is the time.
1: <laughs> and, you know, helping can be, in so many different ways, it can be mm-hmm. just gathering a small group, three to five people, doing offering things online. You know, just putting it out. There's so many ways to lead, so people will find you if you start putting stuff out there.
0: That's awesome.
1: You just show up to it.
0: <laughs> where, where can people find you, um, and contact you like online or your healing center? How how do they find you?
1: Yeah. So probably the uh, easiest way is to well actually let me tell you this if you want to email me i'll send you a free digital copy of my book Authentic oh, wow. Leadership. so kristen panic k-r-i-s-t-i-n p is in peter a-n-e-k at gmail.com so if you want a free copy of the book i'm happy to do that you can send that and otherwise um, we have our website at floweringheartcenter.org um so that, that's yeah, awesome. I'm gathering uh, another group starting in late January to do some intensive leadership work so
0: Okay, cool. And I'll put that I'll put your email in our show notes for today's episode and just have people put in the subject line, you know, I heard you on the podcast and then, you know, so listeners if you're listening today and you want a free copy of her book, um you know, send her that email um it, it's it is a marvelous book i mean they're, they're it's an easy read um i was through it in just a couple of days and i, I was kind of busy at the time but i picked it up and, and uh, because my mom has cancer i read a lot in waiting rooms and at the doctor's offices and things like that and i remember reading it and I, it just it brought some some peace to me as i was reading it uh and some lessons like sometimes even for me as a leader i can be a dick And so it's like, okay, I I need to soften up some and (laughs) stop being so much of a drill sergeant, especially with myself, you know, because I am um, prior military. I do have that military approach to things. Um, And especially with myself, when I beat myself up Uh, and the stuff about compassion and listening and listening to myself and building a relationship with myself, different things um, I I got when I read your book. And I want to thank you for that. I want to thank you for, for writing it and sharing your knowledge and helping me to become a better
1: leader thank you so much i appreciate it you have all of this in you already but what i know is we're meant to help each other we're not meant to go it alone yeah so a lot of this is reminding each other what we already know <laughs> <laughs> <So>. <laughs> all
0: right, and i'm going to remember that too because as, as i'm as i am opening up this healing center i, I might reach out to you for some questions every now and then i hope you don't mind
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well
0: yeah, well, thank you so much for being on the show today, and uh, this is great. so if you if you have any questions about the show, please uh, again, uh, I'll have some content info in the show notes. If you have any questions about anything about leadership, you can reach out to either Kristen or I. Uh, we'll be glad to help in any way. Please know that the only thing that matters right now is just helping you help others. Um, that That's a big priority for me and and doing this podcast and getting this message out there. So if you need help, if if you are running a business and you're you're struggling, if you haven't started a business and you want to start one and you have questions, um, please know that that there are people like Kristen and I out there who want to help you, to help you come into your power. Uh, And like like she said, there's a fire going on. We need to put it out. So that was a great analogy. So thank you so much for listening today. Everybody have a great day.